Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, you're on air with Tilly and Ella. Hey, Tilly, how are you? Hey, Ella, how are you? Where are you? Oh, I'm in Palma, Mallorca, one of my favorite cities in the world. It's just a beautiful city on an island just at the bottom of Spain that, that is right on the edge of the sea. It's so lovely. Oh, that's great. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, it's a bit echoey in a Spanish apartment because Spanish apartments are essentially just tiles. That's what they're made of. Okay. Well, that is amazing. I so wish that I were there with you. It goes without saying. Okay. Tilly, before we jump in, I really want to just remind everybody about our next challenge because it starts October 1st. So for the people who are listening in real time, let's tell them what we're doing. So lots of people have asked for this. We are doing 21 days of movement. That's 21 days of doing 21 minutes or more of something that gets you a bit hot and sweaty and out of breath. Ooh, sounds exciting. <laughs> I think this is going to be fascinating. One, because everybody feels better if they move their body every day. But but two, I think it's really interesting because there are so many reasons why you can't exercise every day. And challenging those and pushing past them is going to be a real learning experience, I think. I, I really want to see and hear what everybody experiences with that. Especially since the focus is on movement and we're not talking about just like moving your pinky finger. We are, we, there are some criteria. However, it's movement. It doesn't need to be killing it at the gym. So I, that's going to open up the invitation to so, so many more people than if we were like, you're going to kill it at the gym every day for 21 days. You know what I mean? No, you don't need to, to do that. Although if you want to, you're very welcome. And we do have a completely lovely personal trainer um, who will be popping in to um, give you some, some tips on, on how to do various workouts at home in, into the Facebook group that is Ella. Yeah. So I'll actually put the link in the description of this show. There'll be a link for you to join the Facebook group for free. It's a private group. It's not the on air with Ella page. And in there we'll be posting daily videos of Tilly and myself, of her trainer, as she said, of special guest stars and lots of other things. But this is going to be great for inspiration, for accountability, for motivation, and honestly, like a few workout ideas. If you need to know how to kick your own butt in 21 minutes, we're there for you. The other thing is like, just join for the community. Like the Facebook group is adorable. Like there's just lovely, lovely people supporting each other and sharing great resources. I just want to see everyone there. It's lovely. Okay. We'll see you in there. It starts October 1st. You can join anytime though. We'll put the link in the show notes. It's a Facebook group. It's free. All right, Tilly, this week's questions, let's do three today. They are all kind of about touchy subjects. I know. I know. And actually reading them, press some buttons for me. They're quite interesting. All right. Our first question is, what are the best strategies to deal with multi-level marketing friends? Some of my friends send me messages asking me how I am doing and then launching immediately into a product they are selling. Others have taken it a step further in their own posts, saying things about not accepting no as an answer. So I guess like in their social media, they're saying things like a no is a yes that just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> so I know that I can't just politely say no to them. I usually just end up ignoring them, but they are my friends and I don't feel good about that. I don't want their products, but I also still want to maintain a friendship with most of these people. I know I cannot be the only one dealing with this problem. Do you have advice for us non-MLM people who want to maintain friendships with the boss ladies? Signed, opting out. 
multi-level marketing. So that's kind of network marketing, direct sales. It's essentially when you buy a product and you sell that product onto other people for them to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And MLM means multi-level marketing and that's exactly right. Network marketing. They're all the same thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Are they all the same thing? Because I had quite an adverse reaction when we first got this email because it made me think immediately of the pyramid schemes, which which are actually illegal for good reason. Pyramid schemes are when the product is there just to, as an excuse for people to move money around. And really, the, the money always comes from more people joining the scheme in, in, in that model. And the higher up the pyramid you are, the more money you make. But of course, there's always losers, you know, because there's always someone at the bottom. If you were going to look into MLMs, and there are some wonderful ones, and I'm not saying that they're a bad idea. You just want to be very careful that they're not a pyramid scheme under another name. And that is part of the problem, right? So this is truly a touchy subject for a lot of people because I know scores of people who make a living this way through multi-level marketing, obviously not pyramid schemes, but like multi-level marketing with products that they very much believe in. And then I know even more people who enjoy it as their side hustle, meaning it's not their full-time gig, but they're making like really decent money doing it on the side and or they just really love it. Like they're really, really passionate about it. And I know that they face the problematic reputation of the people who don't do this well, right? Like they're doing legitimate work in the world and they passionately believe in their thing, but they are suffering from the historical reputation that you described in pyramid schemes, or they are suffering from the reputation of the people who like don't do this well. Ella, I'm, I'm all about strong women making money doing something that fits around their lives. Like that, that's a big, big yes from me. Some people do this with good grace and good products, and some people really don't. So, so I guess what we're hearing in this, this question really is what, what do you do when someone's being quite pushy about it? Exactly. So having got that out of the way, to me, the issues are, one, really, is is the person marketing the product being honest and transparent about that? For example, Ella, I know on your show, occasionally you recommend products and you're utterly explicit about whether you have a financial investment in that. So, so you might say, look, I'm not getting paid anything for this. I just completely love this product. Or you might say, look, guys, you know, there's this really great product. I genuinely believe in it. You Just so you know, if you do buy through the link, it helps the show. So you are very explicit about whether you have anything out of that exchange or not. Yeah, that transparency is key, I think, because then there's no trickery involved. Yeah, you can't, you can't start an exchange with a friend that relies on a lie. I mean, that's just not okay. The second point I wanted to make was, is that person respecting the boundaries of your friendship? In your friendship, if I was to ask you, Ella, look, do you want to go to this, I don't know, this bar class with me? And you were like, oh, I'm not really into that. I would leave it there. I wouldn't then send you four emails telling you why you ought to go to a bar class. Like, it's just not, not polite. It's not nice, right? I would. <laughs> I'd be like, come on, <laughs> yeah, come <you> on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And maybe if it wasn't exercise, that wouldn't have been so obvious, right? But, um, no, I'm teasing, but of course you're entirely correct. Yeah, it's about authenticity. It's about respecting the appropriate boundaries. Now, I do think there is genuinely a thing where when someone's very excited about a product and they have found that product to be genuinely transformative themselves, that sometimes you can kind of forget where the boundaries are. You can become a little bit evangelical about something. Can I just tell you, I've been that person. 
I can compare this to, and this gives me the ability to be more empathetic or less reactive than I might be otherwise. I can compare this to when I first started my wellness journey, if you will. And I wanted to tell the entire world, you know, I wanted to like scream from the mountaintops. It's not that hard. Eat real food, move your body. I was so passionate. I started a podcast like out of nowhere. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so I fully get that enthusiasm when you are so drinking the Kool-Aid or you're like, I embrace paleo and this is what it did for me. Or I went vegan and you know, this is what happened. So I've done the same thing with things that I got really jacked up about, whether it was fasting or juicing or not fasting. <laughs> so I get really into things and I want the known world to know what I know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And honestly, that passion is adorable and people love it, whether it's you or, you know, I, when someone really cares about what they're talking about, I can listen to someone talk about anything, but when it's coming with a financial incentive, that becomes more complicated, Ella. They're making cash from sharing their passion from you. And and I'm sure that that feels very exciting if they really care about the product, but that's the sticking point because you cannot go beyond the boundaries of the regular friendship. So you're just like, I'm doing this neat thing. Do you want to come? You'd never push beyond that in a social situation. And it's inappropriate to do that in business to your friends. Yeah. And I think it's definitely a mistake to lump all MLM or direct marketing people and products into the same basket, right? Because the people honestly, who are really great at network marketing and are doing really well at it, they don't have to be pushy or aggressive. Like, of course, I know that there are exceptions out there. There are exceptions to everything, but the people who are really talented at this, like the whole idea is that they don't have to be pushy or aggressive. They build excitement around their products or the results that the products offer or whatnot. And then they invest invite people to partake versus, you know, using tactics to get them to partake. Yes, exactly. If we go back to our listener's question, it's the pushy people, the inauthentic people that she's flagging and finding difficult, I think. I 100% agree with her when we're talking about inauthenticity or pushy people. And here's, this is so funny. Within a day or two of getting this question in our inbox, I got another message in my inbox and it was a hello from someone who wrote it like they were making a casual suggestion for a show topic. The suggestion for the show topic was on a line of products that they said that they were quote researching. (laughs) They were like, oh, I was just looking into this. It looks really exciting. You should maybe consider checking it out. And so I always check them out, right? I love it when you guys send us topics. So I click on it. And I noticed it's an affiliate link for a line of products that I needed to purchase through this person. Like I'm all about it, but don't try to trick me. Like that's not necessary. (laughs) No, no, no one likes to feel gamed or duped. Uh, I once had an experience, actually, I spoke to a coach that I was considering working with and we had a long, quite useful conversation. And one of the things that she was talking about is vitamin deficiencies. And and, um, she suggested a particular line of vitamins and said that we can talk more about it in our first session. And, you know, there was quite a lot of emphasis on the vitamins. And then I looked up the vitamins and realized that they were a, a MLM product that she would be obviously profiting from selling to me, which wasn't why I came to her. I came to her about her coaching offer. And I felt really um, like it was kind of gross. And I emailed her and said, look, this isn't cool. That that didn't feel like an honest transaction. And I, I don't think I want to go ahead with the way we're working together. Yeah, nobody wants to be duped. And, and I feel like I have to say again, 
I know so many people who do this well, and it's a good thing. So it's not inherently bad. We're talking again about the people who don't understand boundaries or who are approaching this in an aggressive manner or an inauthentic manner. Like they're pretending they care about how you are, but they really want you to buy their protein shake. Like that's, that's not cool. <laughs> but that's the point, isn't it, Ella? Like you can do this stuff incredibly well, or you can do it very badly. So what should people actually do if they're involved in this? Like we get an email or some kind of, of exchange from someone that is not being authentic or not being a good quality MLM person, what do we do? Yeah. Or it's just not for you, right? Because sometimes it's all legit and it's still just not for you. Yeah, exactly. And that's perfectly valid. So my first tip is to come up with a few stock answers that you can recycle. You don't have to reinvent this wheel. People get invited to these parties or the uh, these events that are actually sales parties and sales events. And again, I'm not knocking it. Like you guys don't send us hate mail. We're not knocking the concept. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's just, if you genuinely know what it is, you might want to go. You might not want to go. Right. And sometimes you don't want to go. And we are a little bit uncomfortable telling our friend, I'm not coming to your thing. But it turns out that you can actually say no, just because it's true. So I actually say, thanks for thinking of me. I can't make it. Good luck. Like that's it. Yes. Perfectly elegant and perfectly reasonable. Thanks for thinking of me. Like I really do appreciate being in your thoughts. I can't make it. Good luck. So we did three things. We said, thank you. We said, I can't make it without explaining why, no matter what the thing is, you can just say, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Or thanks for thinking of me, I can't make it. I actually prefer not to say I'm sorry because you shouldn't be apologizing. Thanks for thinking of me, I can't make it. Good luck, all positive. You wish them luck, the end. You never ever, let's just raise this issue up, Tilly. You never ever have to explain that you have a conflict, that your dog has a vet appointment, that your kid has a thing, or that you just don't want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's all your stuff, not theirs. They asked if you wanted to go and you're saying yes or no. I am not pretending that that is always not awkward. And I'm not pretending that that is always easy. I am, however, saying that if you just practice it, it gets way, way easier. And it turns out like people aren't sitting around fixating on you particularly all the time. (laughs) Are you sure? Are you quite sure? (laughs) No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to convince myself. So um, um, what if the approach is by social media or a text message or something? I really think I'm going to put this sentence in the show notes so people can copy and paste it. (laughs) Okay. I say, thanks. I'm not interested for me, but good luck. Your excitement is inspiring. Like I wrote that down. Can you tell I'm reading it? Thanks. I'm not interested for me, but good luck. Your excitement is inspiring because If you don't say, I'm not interested for me, in my opinion, you're leaving the door wide open. Yeah. And the danger is, Ella, that because we want to be polite and we don't want to hurt people's feelings, we sort of hide behind it. So we say things like, oh, what a pity. I can't make it this time. You know, when actually... I'm not interested for me is not wasting their time as well as yours. The most important thing that you can do for yourself and honestly for your, for your friendship really is to be clear and concise and unapologetic because otherwise you are opening the door for negotiation. And that's not helpful to you or them if you're never going to buy their product. So time to move on. So if they get personal or like, you know, if their approach is more personal or they say something that doesn't sit well with you, honestly, I've heard stories of where people have been almost body shamed. Like, Hey, you know, what would really benefit you is if you did these shakes for a little while. And (laughs) yeah, that's that's the friends that I want to keep anyway, Ella, I have to say. (laughs) 
if somebody comes back at you or says something that doesn't sit well with you, I don't know if this will surprise you. I actually wouldn't engage. I wouldn't try to coach them on their style at all. I would just come back with, I appreciate your enthusiasm for this, but it's not for me. Thanks. Or Tilly, I think you're amazing and you're going to slay this, but it's not for me. Thanks. Like even if they cross a line with me, I still would just stay way above the line. Yes, because the person is essentially exploiting the friendship to make a sale. They've suggested, you said no thanks, and then they rely on you not wanting to be rude or difficult, and they push. And what I would say here, this really presses my buttons, if, if someone is not taking care of your feelings, you do not have to take such great care of theirs. It's not your job to make that comfortable if they made it uncomfortable. So if they've crossed that line, the line of good manners, essentially, then you're going to need to push them back across it. And I would, in these circumstances, I really would be okay with saying, look, this is not for me. Please don't approach me about this again. If somebody's got to the stage where they're either being rude about your appearance or trying to persuade you in a way that's aggressive, then you just get to say, please don't do that. I want to underscore something you said. You said, if someone is not taking care of your feelings, you do not have to take such great care of theirs. We need to sit and marinate in that one for a little while. <laughs> uh, it's another one for the get a t-shirt printed pile, isn't it? <laughs> and also another option is ignoring again it feels rude to not reply to a friend's message but if a friend is sending you a message that's crossing the boundaries of politeness you, you you don't have to reply Yeah, you absolutely are not obligated to. And I think that you're going to spare yourself if you reply once with a kind, almost, I like to think of this as almost a professional message because it it takes some of the emotion out of it. So I sort of put on my professional hat. I'm like, what's a professional way to respond to this? Which is kind of a funny thing to do when you're talking about a friend, but it takes some of the emotion out of it. So a professional response is going to be something like, thanks, I'm not interested for me, but good luck, right? Your excitement is inspiring. Like, that's great. But Ella, that's a really good point. They are approaching you as a professional person making a sale. So totally cool to stay in the bounds of professionalism in your reply. That's brilliant. Yeah. So if the second, if they come back to you again, I think ignoring is a very valid option. You've said your piece once, you don't need to say it twice. Whatever's less stressful for you. If your friend is putting you in an awkward situation, you don't have to make them feel comfortable about that. We acknowledge that some people will feel rejected. You know, it feels personal to them because this is their personal passion, but Honestly, Tilly, like in a lot of cases, won't people just move on? Because if you think about in the situation we're describing here, the one that not opting in is describing, they are very likely sent, the seller is very likely sending that exact same message to dozens of people. Do you know what I mean? Like it it feels bigger to you than it is to them. Precisely. Okay. So let's recap. We said that you should come up with a stock response and feel good about it and almost treat it with a, a level of professionalism. We said it's not your responsibility to like coach them into how to communicate or sell better to you. But here are some of the things I've learned not to do. Don't say any variation of, okay, I'll check it out if you don't mean it. Yeah. So that kicking the can down the line, it just makes it worse later. Exactly. You're just delaying the inevitable and you're honestly giving them some hope that you're a lead because these people are trying to make money. Like this is important to them. You're giving them hope and, and you don't mean it. So you're just delaying the inevitable. Okay. This is really tactical, but don't join that Facebook group or whatever when you don't want to, because a lot of times people create specific channels just for their new thing. And then they will add you, Tilly, I don't know if you know this, they will just add you to, you'll find yourself automatically in their Facebook group. They have the power to to do that. Did you know that? Yeah. So I have found that and I feel really okay about unadding myself actually. <laughs> In fact, you can leave the group and you can select the option to not ever be added back so that they can't just keep adding you. So that's just a little oh, tactic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can, you can leave the group or you can leave the group and like drop the mic. 
<laughs> but people don't get a notice that you've left the group. Lovely. Okay. So we all need to go straight back to our Facebook feeds now and get the hell out of all the groups we don't want to be in. I need to be accountable to our people. When we created the 21 days of Facebook group, I was trying to invite people to it. And I added like 30 people to it on accident. And I couldn't, I couldn't undo it. <laughs> I am this person. If you found yourself in our 21 days. Yeah. If you found yourself giving up alcohol for 21 days without meaning to, it's Ella's fault. Whoopsie. Okay. All right. The other thing that I have learned the hard way is don't explain why. If someone is inviting you to use their product or their service, don't explain why your no is a no. And what I mean is, oh, well, I already use something for this, or I already take these vitamins because they are trained specifically, like they live for that moment to tell you what's wrong with what you're currently doing and what you should be doing instead. And I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm saying that is literally a huge part of the sales training process is to learn how to handle that. They don't consider that a no. They consider that a tell me more. <laughs> yeah. See, this is the stuff that, yeah, this, this just creeps me out. For me, that just doesn't belong in a friendship world. I can't do it. <laughs> okay. What about you? What are some things that not opting in should not do? Okay. So I'm not saying this is a holier than now. I'm saying this because this is my default place. Don't snark behind their back. Like, so don't, don't screenshot their outrageous message and send it to your other girlfriends. <laughs> Say how rude it was. <laughs> are you, are you calling me out on the air? I'm just asking. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like if you happen to know anyone that's done that, you know, just tell them not to. Um, noted. Just step away, right? Yeah. Well, just it, actually, it's rarely a good idea to tell other people why you're annoyed at a third party. Like it's just, that's never going to go anywhere nice. Like it's, it's one of those sort of grown up things where it's like very, very tempting and you need to not do it. And I'd say the other thing is don't start coaching them into better communication. You know, the temptation would be to sort of get into a, an argument where you say, look, you know, body shaming is not the way to make sales. Da, da, da. All you are doing is, is giving it oxygen. And if you really want to spend your time and energy doing that and probably not changing their mind about their approach. That's up to you. But I would say, you know, one of the paths to a happy life is to choose the things that you have in it and fighting with somebody on social media about their approach probably isn't. So not opting in, you have every right not to manage other people's inauthenticity. You have every right to say no, thank you and mean it. And you have every right to not explain. And for those of you who make a living through MLM or those of you who participate in the products and services of MLM, awesome because you're doing it authentically and we love you for that. By the way, I buy stuff all the time, just to be clear. Oh yeah, no, no, me too. This is not an anti-MLM, Laurent. This is, this is much more an anti-inauthentic or an anti-pushy approach to any kind of marketing, in fact. And in that case, be clear once, maybe twice, and then get off the train. Yeah. If it's the real friendship, then, then honesty is perfectly fine. It won't, you know, friendships aren't hurt by honesty. So this question is short and gets straight to the point. It's parenting disputes. They write, how do you handle the challenges of parenting when you both have strong opinions that don't always coincide? Signed, the opinionated parents. I would comment, but I don't know a thing about this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No conflict at all around the way you parent. Ella. No, yeah? there are no opinionated parents over here. What are you even talking about? <laughs> 
No, but seriously, I think in most relationships, there's there's actually a driver when it comes to the children, you know? So it, it, it breaks down in different ways in different houses. Like in some families, you'll have one parent that does the, the strategy, the kind of thinking and, and philosophizing around it. And the other one does the implementation, the kind of actually getting it done. What do you mean? Well, I suppose what I mean is, you know, you might have a situation where one person has the very strong opinions and another person is the one that sort of follows through on those opinions and puts them in place or you often get a situation where you just have the main caregiver and that person is deferred to in all things child rearing yeah and i suppose there's also situations where that sort of division of strategy and tactics depends on the activity so one of you might manage all of the kids sports or recreational activities and that kind of thing whereas the other one manages all the school stuff and does all the heavy lifting there so yeah i get it Yeah, I find it fascinating how families build up these divisions of labors without ever explicitly negotiating them. It's brilliant. (laughs) No. Is it though? Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends. It depends whether you take out the bins or not, Ella, doesn't it? So what do you do then when you both have opinions and they're not always in alignment? Yeah, it's not always that one parent is the driver. In some situations, you will both genuinely disagree on the right parenting approach. And I suppose there's a few things to think about there. I've sort of gone back and forth on this question, Ella, because for part of me, I feel like if you disagree, then you need to come to a place where you agree. You need to discuss and you need to see each other's point of view. But but then, I don't know, part of me feels like maybe it's okay for you to have really different opinions and, and maybe it's a bit codependent to think that you always have to be in the same place. So maybe you don't need to persuade the other person or bend them to their will to your will or, or like sometimes you just have different views. Like say one of you really feels that state education is the best thing and the other one really, really wants to go private and pay for their education. Like it's going to be quite hard to t- to talk that one into a similar position. Okay. That's a good example. And in a really granular level, like day-to-day stuff, your child has an opportunity to go do something, but it would require them missing school. One of the parents thinks that's totally okay. The other one is staunchly opposed. Like, what do you do if you really don't agree? Big issues like you raised and day-to-day issues like I raised, like, what do you do then? Yeah, it can feel really unresolvable. You you need to have the conversations, you know, just so that you really understand the emotional drivers and maybe the historical drivers from your own family. So much of parenting is about the way you were parented. And I, I think you need to have those conversations so that you can see if there is some ground to move. I also think in a lot of families, certainly in my family, generally there's an unspoken rule that it's the person that cares most about it gets to win. You know, it's like if you're really that invested in it, you can have this one, but I, I will probably call that on something else at some point. Yeah, I think that this is one of those situations where if we're being really honest, I mean, okay, if we were being another show, we would be like, you two need to scope out all of your beliefs and values and put them down on a piece of paper and then assign who gets to be in charge of what. And here's what I really think happens. What I really think happens is you negotiate your way through this until something kind of breaks. And then you're like, oh, we need a process around this. And then you have a conversation where you're like, okay, I passionately care about these things. Like these are the hills I will die on. You know, where are you on this? Are you a zero? Are you a five? Are you a 10? Do you know what I mean? I would not be trying to do this in the middle of the heat of a moment. Well, yes, Ella, because because already that idea of, you know, sitting down with the unicorns and the flowers to talk about where everybody is in such an obvious way before there's any conflict, is it, it's really unrealistic because it assumes that people are talking about what they're really talking about. And people are rarely talking about what they're really talking about. <laughs> you know, quite often they're talking about the fact that they're furious that you didn't clean the car and they pretend that they're talking about private education. Do you see what I mean? That's an excellent point. That happens all the time on every level. This is an example of something that's messy. And then it forces you to have a neater and tidier conversation and be a 
grown up outside of that context. Yes. The moment that something has really pressed your button is pretty much never the time to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, these things are messy until you put your grown up pants on and step out of them and have big, you know, adult conversations, I think. So this is just the business of living with other people. You know, of course, you will all have different agendas, different values, different ideas, and you will need to think through the best way of reaching out to each other on them. Well, what I've learned about this situation, when you have opinions and both of your opinions are valid, and unfortunately, you both care. (laughs) One thing that I have learned the hard way is to not disagree in front of the kid or the kids. Like, it doesn't mean you have to agree, but to not openly disagree with the other parent in front of the kids. What do you think? Now, I, I, I find this interesting, Ella, because it sounds sensible, but actually in reality, it's not what I do. You know, I, I will say to my children, you know, daddy doesn't care as much about sugar as I do, but, but this is why I care about sugar and why I'm going to say no to that thing. Or, you know, I, I will acknowledge that we take different approaches to things, you know, and I think it's maybe okay for your kids to know that you're two separate people with different values and, and crucially that you can model that not everyone is coming from the same place, but that doesn't mean you have to go to war over it. But I feel really prickly about the fact that there's a very fine line between that and openly chopping your partner off at his or her knees or denigrating them or like honestly just taking their power away in front of your kid. Like I, that's not okay. Absolutely. And, and good that you called that out because that can seem quite similar, but have an entirely different motivation and therefore an entirely different output. What you're doing when you do that is, is feeling powerful for a moment and actually creating a pretty unpleasant environment for your children to be in. Like don't, don't catch them in a crossfire. That's horrid. Yeah. And how is that going to help your ability to negotiate to a point of view with your partner? It just doesn't. It's just satisfying in a moment, I'm afraid. Okay. So our recap, Opinionated Parents, is this is not going away. This is incredibly normal and natural. And so it's, as you said, Tilly, part of living with somebody for the rest of your life. (laughs) Ella, I think the truth is that not everything is resolvable. And some things are just about managing the trickiness better rather than just solving them. And I I don't know, I suppose that's why I like having these conversations with you because we don't just say, you know, pour yourself a bubble bath and everything will be great. Like sometimes things are tricky. Okay, our next question. How do you bring up a touchy subject with a partner or a friend that is a bit of a hothead, someone who is touchy or defensive? I find personally I have to let a lot of things go in order to avoid a confrontation. I hate arguing with people or making someone feel bad, but sometimes things do need to be discussed. For example, if the hothead tends to be spending carelessly, I want to bring it up. How would I do that while avoiding an argument? But it could be talking about anything, chores, parenting, or at work, anything from cool head, closed mouth. This is a really interesting one, Ella. Yeah, I mean, I am the hothead. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, and I, I, I think everyone's done it at some point, but sometimes people, perhaps unconsciously, are hotheaded about something because because freaking out is a form of of kind of shutting the other person down. It's a form of control. Maybe the person isn't doing it on purpose, but if you are in a relationship where this is a typical situation where whenever you need to say something difficult, the other person utterly freaks out and closes you down, that can actually be really dangerous for the relationship. What that will mean in effect is that you don't say your stuff. In the end, it's too exhausting and too scary and you don't say your stuff and your relationship gets less close and less good. 
Yeah, I get that. So I was joking a little bit about, you know, sometimes my husband and I have to negotiate around each other on some topics and we know that by now. And one of us has to not be emotional about it. But what you're describing is just plain manipulative where you you can't even deal with issues with the person because that person's going to come off the chain. Like that's not okay. Yeah, that's really not okay. It's important that you don't let these things fester or drift by um, because resentment will build over time. And also actually your self-regard builds becomes problematic because if you start to feel like your own feelings don't matter and the thing that you want to say shouldn't be heard, it doesn't make you see yourself as an important person with value. And it's the kicking the can again. When you avoid this stuff because it doesn't feel good, and it doesn't, like life is hard. We have to do uncomfortable things. It's not nice sometimes, but when you avoid it, you are A, not demonstrating to yourself that you can handle it. B, not fixing anything, but storing up resentment, which will eventually come out one way or another. And it's not going anywhere. It will still be there. Yes, but there is a difference between kicking the can down the road and waiting a reasonable amount of time until feelings aren't so high. Like you don't want to do it in the moment. No, you're so right. Like this is very similar to the previous question, setting the stage to talk about it and talking about it outside of context and not in the moment is I think really critical for success here with someone who's being a hothead. One of the most effective things that my husband can do with me when I'm like super passionate about something is he can say, I need to talk to you about something and I need you to not like fly off the handle. I'm making it sound like I have anger management issues and (laughs) that's not the case, but you know what I'm saying? Yes, I, I, I do. I do. And I think it's really fine in a partnership or in a relationship or a friendship to say like, I'm going to say a thing right now and I just really need you to listen to it and not have a massively emotional reaction for a sec. Yeah, I think it's a grown up thing to do. And it works because you have to be complicit in it. You have to say either yes or no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So for me, I definitely find that changing the environment really helps. One of the things that we do if we have difficult conversations to have is we go for walks. There's a lovely phrase, actually, that the best conversations happen shoulder to shoulder rather than eye to eye. I I think there's something really great about not feeling quite so exposed. I don't know if you've got teenagers, anyone listening, but you'll find that teenagers do the big spill in the car. It's always while everyone's staring ahead rather than face to face. People feel less threatened and, and it's less hostile. So definitely a walk is a really good place to have some of the more difficult conversations. Shoulder to shoulder and not eye to eye. I bet that has roots in the animal kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it feels like it does, doesn't it? It must be about that stuff. Minimizing the sense of attack. Yes, exactly, exactly. And it's just, no one likes to feel put on the spot. And there's actually a really lovely piece of research that looks at longevity in relationships and which relationships last longer. And one of the characteristics of, of the relationships that last longer are relationships where people, when they are in conflict about something, break off from that conflict for small gaps. So you, you perhaps say, you know, I'm really furious with you, rah, rah, rah. And then you say, would you like a cup of tea? And then you carry on. From an outside perspective, it looks quite dysfunctional, but actually those are the relationships that tend to last longer. And, and one of the reasons is, is because there's a certain amount of empathy there where people are allowing each other off the hook, allowing each other to downregulate and calm down throughout the exchange we do that slightly differently in that we take time out. So when things start feeling like they're escalating and you, you know, you're starting to feel like you're getting in the red zone, we have learned to take a time out and just be like, okay, I need 10. (laughs) Just be literal about it. Ultimately relationships should be the opportunity to be the best you can be. And that's not easy. It should be the place where we work on these muscles. You know, we try and get better at being clearer about what we mean. And we try not to have knee jerk reactions to things. We try to give things space and become better communicators. One thing I would say 
I shared this in the episode that I did with my husband, but whether she needs to tell her partner or vice versa in any situation, you need to get on the same side of the problem. And and what I mean is you need to recognize mutually that you are actually on the same side of a problem. So start with what you have in common or start with the shared goal or start with the shared value and be like, wait, hold on. We both want X and sometimes X is just harmony. Like we both want harmony. So let's figure this out. Honestly, that has been magical in my ability to negotiate through things as a recovering hothead. Yeah. I also think if it's a very difficult conversation, sometimes writing it down can be helpful to email your partner. And I don't mean, you know, hot-headed texts. I mean, you know, to send an email to the person that you need to talk to just saying, look, I'm writing this down because really, it's really important to me that you hear me. And I really want to make my point without getting upset. I really want to talk to you about this afterwards, but can you just have a look at what I've got to say here? Bonus tip from a hothead, I never send ugly texts ever, 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 even when I really want to so badly. Never, ever. Because A, part of my brain is like, that could be the last thing they ever see. (laughs) And then what if like they're dying a fiery wreck and then the police recover their phone and it's like, you're a jerk from their wife. Oh, so it's not so much that it's the last thing they'll see, it's that that would reflect badly on you uh, when the police Yeah, now it's that too. <laughs> Thank you, Ella. I think we'll all take that home with us. Are you being snarky right now, you hothead? <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the question, she's obviously nervous about saying something to someone that will make them freak out. But the truth is, sometimes we do need to upset people because we can't all be sunshine and roses. And now and again, there are difficult things to be said that are upsetting to hear, but it doesn't mean that they don't need to be said. They just need to be said compassionately and generously and as well as you possibly can. Use those muscles. Practice, practice, practice. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.